more productive, to live happier, and really to achieve ultimate health. Now, I get you. I know this sounds like it could be overwhelming or just another thing you have to do, but I promise once you hear all the facts behind cycle syncing and what it can do for you, I think you're going to want to try it out. And just to ease your mind a little bit, I did create a free PDF download that you can grab over in the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 079 to help you along this, to help you know what foods to eat during different phases of your cycle, how to exercise, and maybe some tasks that would be good for you, like mindset and productivity and other tasks that you'll see change throughout the different changes of your cycle. Anyways, that's where we're going today. It's for women only. Last week, we did a podcast all for men um, on testosterone and them balancing their hormones. Now, obviously, there's a big difference between men and women, but one of the greatest differences is how we cycle. Like you learned last week, if you listen, which I assume that a lot of women did listen to last week's podcast just to learn more, is that men are generally thought to cycle off a 24-hour cycle. Now, there's some controversy there whether they actually go through a monthly cycle just like women, but in general, they're more day in and day out based, where a woman cycles off a 28-day cycle. So there's huge fluctuations within the month, which we know about, we see, we experience. That's what makes us so different. And if we go back to the research and some of the last podcasts I talked about, the five differences between men and women, we see that there's this huge gender gap that's happening in clinical trials. But if we really break down the women's hormonal flow, what it does for the body, and just hormones in general, male or female, we can see there's a huge difference between having four phases of hormonal cycling versus one, right? And so when we do all these clinical trials, and I'm on a little soapbox here, so just bear with me. When we do all these clinical trials just on men, It might affect women so much differently. And that's what we're going to talk about. Like maybe why some of the fitness trends and health trends to date haven't been working. And it's simply because they've been tested on men, not necessarily women, and we function so much differently. This podcast is really to help you break the cycle of fighting your body every step of the way and learn how you can work with your body, how you can listen to your body and ultimately feel good in that. So today is all on cycle seeking, what your four phases mean, what that means for how you eat, how you exercise, how you live your life, and the best way to start cycle syncing. So you're going to want to stay tuned for this, but before we get to the show, don't forget to head to the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 079 to get more information and that free download that's going to help you start cycle syncing today. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I know I say it all the time, but it really does mean the world to me. So if you haven't left a rating and review, you can just head on over to simplerootswellness.com slash review and do so. You only have to leave one rating. And like I said, it's really the lifeblood that helps other people who wouldn't otherwise hear about Simple Roots Radio find it and start listening and join this community of people who are just looking for realistic health that you can simply achieve to live a better life. So again, to leave a rating and review, you can just find me at Simple Roots Radio on iTunes or head to simplerootswellness.com slash review. Okay, now let's get back to the show for women only. 
So this concept that we're going to talk about today called cycle syncing was really developed by a lady named Elisa Vitti, and she wrote a book called The Woman Code. It's a fantastic book. I'm really giving the information. A lot of it comes from her philosophies and her research, but there's some other research thrown in there to really back up the supporting claim. But that is a great book, and again, where much of this information is stemming from is called is from a book called Woman Code. Alyssa is actually going to be on the show later this year, but for now, I really I really wanted to start uncovering cycle syncing because I've started to do this in my own life and I've found a great, great benefit because when we look at hormones in general, we can see a lot of different focuses like we've mentioned on past shows of um, really just trying to find a balance of working with your body instead of against it and getting things back in rhythm. And today is no different. So what is cycle syncing? Cycle syncing is essentially the act of syncing your lifestyle, including what you eat, how you work, and how you exercise with your menstrual cycle. Like I said earlier, when I first heard about this, I thought, okay, this is a lot, right? To eat different foods different during different phases of my menstrual cycle. I really don't even know where I am in my menstrual cycle. Like, how can we put this all together? So like I said, that's why I created the download, but I think this is a process. It's a process of really first understanding what your menstrual cycle is. What are those four phases? How does that change how your body fluctuates? And then you can come back in and say, okay, now what can I do about it? And that's really what I want to help you do here. And really, when we dig into the research, I hope you'll find that... Yeah, cycle syncing makes a lot of sense, especially when we get outside of the philosophy that women can do the same thing day in and day out because plain and simple, it will not work. We run off a 28-day cycle, maybe 31-day cycle, wherever you are, but you run off cycles and there's four phases within that cycle. But I think this goes to show all along that when we've been led to believe that we just have to fight against our body and not give in to cravings, and use more willpower, it also goes along with the thoughts that we should just deal with our PMS symptoms, that PMS is normal, that we just need to learn to tolerate these things like moodiness and um, exhaustion and low libido and cramps and headaches and all these awful things that women can really experience a couple of days each month, which if you compound that, that's a lot of life that you're giving up to something that you really don't have to be living with. So I think... When we get back to cycle syncing, one of the things that I've learned over the course of my nutrition journey, right, is how to heal myself from these aches and pains and constants in my life that I really don't have to live with. So just my story to back it up, when I first started menstruating, I was younger than most, um, but it was around um, middle school and especially in high school, I went through a really hard period where I was suffering from extreme cramps. And we're talking vomiting cramps where I would have to come home from school and miss school and lay in the dark and the silence with heating pads on my stomach to help my body to adjust to this. So I would say that for a few years in there, my cramps are pretty, pretty severe. I mean, when they're altering your life and inhibiting you from really living and being a human being, um, that's pretty severe cramps. So I was having severe cramps for a long time. I was having all the symptoms and I just didn't know how to get over them. So of course, naturally, what happened is I eventually went on birth control, which has been touted to take away cramps, right? Which in the end it does because it basically stops your menstrual cycle from happening so you no longer ovulate and therefore never go through the typical PMS or menstrual phase. 
But that really did mean no favors. I was having more depression, anxiety. I just didn't feel good on it. So I went off of it. Later, I went back on it because I could just really never find my balance. Well, as the story continues, I started learning more about health, more about diet and exercise. And the better I ate and the better I exercised, I had less and less PMS symptoms. No longer was my periods controlling my life and I was really able to live life through them, which was something totally new for me. And if we continue even further, throughout the last few years, I really have gotten myself to a point where I don't even notice when I'm menstruating anymore. Of course, I have lack of energy, which we're going to talk about, which is really common in all of this. But at the end of the day, I don't feel cramps. I don't get headaches. I don't necessarily get as moody. Now, my husband might argue that, but I don't tend to feel PMS-y, if that makes sense. So my story with cramps is I suffered and I thought that was normal. And I thought the only way to do that was to mask it with birth control and to really stop myself from cycling altogether. But at the end of the day, what I've learned is that diet, exercise, mindset, how we live our life has a huge, huge, huge impact on our menstrual cycle and that we don't have to suffer. Like if you're suffering from some kind of hormonal symptom like PMS or moodiness or low libido or skin issues, all these things, right? Cramping, whatever it is, that's all showing that you have some kind of hormonal imbalance and there are plenty of things that we can be doing. And I hope that's what you're finding here. Anyways, so Again, just to clearly say, hormones essentially behave like messengers inside our body. They carry information and instructions from one group of cells to the other. And these messengers obviously influence a lot of things. So again, it makes sense that when one hormone dominates another, like we see in hormonal imbalance, or your hormones are out of whack, we experience some physical and mental side effects, right? So if we look at fixing our hormones, then we can understand that when our hormones are working together and not against each other or compensating for one another, we can actually feel balanced and centered, whole and healthy. And I know that's a far reaching thing because maybe you've suffered from PMF symptoms for so long that you don't even think it's possible, but we really can pull through the other side. And that's what cycle syncing is all about. It's essentially making you slow down and listen to your body, listen and understand what it needs because it knows. It knows better than what we know. We have to stop working against it and really just start working with it because your cravings are telling you something, how you feel, your energy, your metabolism. It's all telling your story, but yet it's easier to believe the other story. So today I'm going to try and encourage you to listen to the story of your body and nothing else. Okay. So when we break down our phases, again, women have four different phases inside their menstrual cycle, and these phases signal a different fluctuation in hormones like estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, insulin, and even cortisol. So we're seeing these fluctuations inside these different phases, and as a result, this impacts how your body's going to handle stress, how it's going to break down foods, and even how your metabolism runs. So yes, at the end of the day, these different phases and understanding them can then help you understand when maybe your body can handle more stress, when and what types of food it's gonna be able to better digest and simply how your metabolism is working. So you can start working with your metabolism to maybe lose weight if that's what you're after or maintain a healthy weight rather than constantly fighting it. When cycle thinking is done correctly, you will feel energized, happy, and focused all month long just in different directions. But really, we don't need science to prove this, right? We know that when we eat right, when we're in balance, we can feel that. So the idea is living in alignment with your hormonal rhythms. So to start with, I want to start by breaking down what these hormonal rhythms or what these hormonal phases are, then help you understand how you should live within those cycles, how you should exercise, 
what foods you should eat, and really how to start tracking your cycles all together. So we're gonna start by breaking down what the four phases of our cycle are and really understanding that. So we're gonna start with phase one, the follicular phase, which is about seven to 10 days long. This is the initial start right after menstruation where the body starts preparing for the release of another egg. In this phase, the pituitary glands, which we talked about last week in the men's podcast, is the control center for the body. So it starts signaling that follicle-stimulating hormone to be released to tell the ovaries to prepare for the release of another egg. So again, the pituitary gland stimulates a hormone to tell the ovaries to start preparing for the release of an egg. In this phase, several follicles start to swell inside your ovaries and progesterone and estrogen, the two hormones that play the most significant role in a woman's physical and emotional feelings are at their lowest point. In this follicular phase or this first phase, what you might notice is that your physical energy is really high. You're generally more outgoing, you're more social in this phase. This is a really great time for people to be creative, to brainstorm, to teamwork, to network, and experiment with new activities. Your mind is sharp, um, you're ready to go, you're feeling good, and you have a lot of energy. Also in this phase, when progesterone and estrogen are lower, this means that testosterone tends to be a little bit more naturally dominant. And testosterone is obviously going to stimulate your libido. It's also going to help your skin to look and feel better, and it pushes you to be more extroverted. On top of that, it helps to suppress your appetite, which makes you feel lighter and less weighed down. So really in the follicular phase is when most women feel their best. Now, this is going to relate over into how we eat and how we exercise later on, but just know that. So the follicular phase is the first phase, generally when women are feeling their best, looking their best, and have the most energy. Then we move into the ovulatory phase, which is a much shorter phase, one of the shortest phases of menstruation, and it's only three to four days long. Here, obviously, the body is releasing an egg from the ovary, and we experience a spike in the hormones, follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, while at the same time, estrogen starts increasing, and estrogen's role is to help prepare the uterine lining for conception. So estrogen's on the rise, testosterone drops a little bit, and even at some points during this phase, some women can actually feel the release of an egg. It might feel like pelvic pain or twinges. Some women experience headaches, bloating, and maybe cravings start to come into the picture. And this has to do with just that that big switch in estrogen and testosterone. However, communication centers of the brain are really sharp during this time, and that can be used to our advantage. So it's a perfect time for writing clearly, presenting important information to others, and many women experience a heightened sense of vision, smell, and taste, and find it easy to verbalize your thoughts and feelings. So we tend to be more heightened in this area. Um, Of course, in the ovulatory phase, fertility is at its prime, which is naturally going to increase your libido because... That's what happens when we're fertile, like any animal, and even your sense of attractiveness. So your pheromones, how you attract your mate is going to rise at this time. Um, And so uh, some like to believe that the ovulatory phase is when women are at their prime beauty, and that cycles month to month. So maybe you're glowing a little bit more. I'm not sure what that looks like, but that's the ovulatory phase. Then we go on the luteal phase, which is a long phase. It's our longest phase, which is about 10 to 14 days. And this corpus luteum phase is the point between ovulation and menstruation. So once you've ovulated, but before you start menstruating is this luteal phase. And this is where the follicle from which the egg bursts grows on the surface of the ovary, causing it to produce progesterone. So progesterone is going to start rising, and this is going to signal the body to keep the uterine lining intact 
And it also signals to the pituitary gland to stop sending follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. Basically, progesterone starts preparing the uterine lining and also telling the pituitary, like, hey, we have a good egg. We don't need you to keep sending it out. So again, this is going to ensure that only one egg is released at a time. In this phase, as well as progesterone rising, estrogen also continues to rise to its highest point. And if the egg isn't fertilized, then the corpus luteum is reabsorbed into the body. So obviously your egg is going to be fertilized generally at the end of the ovulatory phase. So once the egg's released until the luteal phase, there's about three to four days in there, depending on when you actually ovulate, that the egg is really good for about 24 to 48 hours, depending on what research you look at. But if the egg is not been fertilized, then it's going to get reabsorbed into the body. And if this reabsorption happens, then progesterone production halts and this results in menstruation. So in this luteal phase, there's a lot going on, right? The egg has been released. It's waiting for conception. It's preparing the uterine lining. It's signaling to the pituitary like, hey, we have a good egg. Don't send anything else. And at the same time, if it's not fertilized, then this reabsorption in the body has to take place. So in this phase, what women generally notice is a lot less energy. In fact, most women experience their lowest energy in this phase, and you often feel more introverted. PMS symptoms especially start to appear during the last half of the phase. Some like to break up the luteal phase into two weeks. So week one, you tend to have a little bit more energy. You're still um, able to handle more stress load. You're not having a lack of energy yet, but during week two, you're going to start to notice the PMS symptoms start to appear. You're going to get more bloating, irritability, headaches, mood swings, cravings, whatever you feel with PMS, and you're really just going to get more introverted. So during this time, it can be really essential for women to choose more solitary activities. Uh, You tend to have less of a desire to socialize and go out with others. And instead, you find like things like reading and writing, taking long baths. We also see a lot of nesting happening in this phase. So cooking, cleaning, organizing all seem to me more appealing. You're going to see this huge shift and not only just in your energy, but also your libido because essentially estrogen and progesterone at their peak, which makes testosterone drop greatly, which also makes your sex drive drop significantly. So that's phase three. Phase four is the menstrual phase. This is anywhere from three to seven days, depending on the person. And this, of course, last phase marks the arrival of our periods. In this phase, progesterone drops due to the corpus luteum disappearing. So due to that egg being reabsorbed into the body, it triggers the shedding of the uterine lining. And again, the estrogen is going to peak and drop once again, which starts the next cycle. So your next cycle, the end of menstruation, is signaled by a a drop in estrogen, which sends testosterone back up, and it starts the whole process all over again. Of course, in the menstrual phase, this is where women experience bleeding, but you can also experience like the possible backache, fatigue, um, cravings, and all the PMS symptoms as well. Now, interestingly, in this phase, the right and left hemispheres of our brains are communicating most strongly, helping us to clearly assess and make decisions. So it's a great time to problem solve or make big life decisions. Um, It's also a time when our brains are thinking most clearly, so journaling can be great. However, in this phase, you're going through mass amounts of 
water because your body is in this very restorative and healing phase. So we need a lot of water and a lot of relaxation, which we're gonna talk about when we get into the food. But those are the four phases of the menstrual cycle. Each one is gonna vary greatly, and I didn't really talk about what's happening with insulin and cortisol, but I'll give you little hints. When estrogen spikes, we're gonna be more sensitive to insulin and cortisol, meaning it's going to have a greater effect on our body. Um, And when insulin and estrogen are lower, like at the start of our our period, when we have more energy, naturally we can handle higher stress situations. We're more apt to be sensitive to insulin than we are as the cycle continues into phase three and phase four. Anyways, okay, so how do we exercise, right? So the cycle thinking is knowing those things, having an understanding of how your hormones are changing, what your body is capable of, how hard it's working, and then starting to figure out what you can do to support that. So if we look at exercise, right, which we're going to talk about food because some think that food has the biggest impact on how we feel, like food as medicine. But exercise is a really big component because I think we've been led to believe that you have to push it and push it hard every single day. But here's the deal. There's no reason to do a workout that's too intense for the phase you're in, only because you think it will help you lose weight, because it will not. So if we are exercising outside of our menstrual cycle, you will not lose weight. All this will do is use up every last bit of your stored energy, and then it will switch over to using your adrenal reserves to offset what estrogen and progesterone are not providing for you during that phase. This can cause a spike in stress hormones, which we don't want, because as we learn, when the body is stressed, it holds on to any excess weight we're carrying due to the cortisol. So exercising outside of your menstrual cycle is actually really harmful. It's doing more harm than good, And so I'm going to break this to you that we shouldn't be doing the same intense exercise every single week. Instead, we need to start sinking it. So let's break it down. Okay, our first phase, the follicular phase, when estrogen and progesterone tend to be at their lowest, testosterone's a little bit higher, we have the most energy. This is a great time to try new workouts, to step outside of your comfort zone, and to push your body a little bit more. So things like cardio and dance and yoga sculpting and high-intensity workouts are really a great thing to do during this phase and even the ovulatory phase, which many consider the ovulatory phase to be our highest energy phase. So again, the follicular phase and ovulatory phase are great times to do cardio, hit, weightlifting, plyometrics, boot camp, anything that's really hard and requires you to get super sweaty, um, really to burn off that excess energy. Now, when we move into the luteal phase, we'll notice that there's a that it's broken up again into the two weeks. So week one, we might still have a little bit of energy, but you'll notice it drastically decline as that first week continues and that strenuous workouts become less appealing. They can become really hard and your muscles might not cooperate like they do during the first few phases of the cycle. So in the luteal phase, it's best to start scaling back maybe to more core-focused workouts like Pilates and yoga, yoga, mat work, body-resistant exercise. Now, it's not just to say we shouldn't work out. It's to say, okay, let's slow it down a little bit, let's tune it in, and let's not push our body to extremes because in the luteal phase, our body can handle less stress. Remember, it's going through a lot of processes in this phase, even the reabsorption of the egg, all the progesterone and estrogen, making us really sensitive to excess stress. So if you're gonna push it, essentially, in this phase, you're really gonna do more harm than good. You're going to cause excess stress load, which is gonna cause excess fat production and really work against your body. So you're gonna feel better if you tone it back and your body's going to respond better. I know that can be a really hard concept, but it's really, really important. 
So that's important in the luteal phase. In the menstrual phase, so when you're actually menstruating, this is the perfect time to rest and recover, do soothing, restorative activities, which is gonna help flush that cortisol, help your body to heal and rejuvenate. It's a lot of work when your body's menstruating. And a lot of times, I don't think we give it the credit that it deserves. So to prevent massive hormonal fluctuations, it's really best to rest and recover during the menstrual phase, especially the first few days of it. So maybe you take a nap or you do sauna sessions or you just walk. Low energy activity is going to be ideal. So those are some exercise thinking tips that I can give you. And again, there's no point in working out outside of your phase because it's going to do more harm than good. And I know that can be really difficult, but I will promise you that once you start doing this, you'll really start to pick up on what your body can handle. I know for me now when I'm menstruating, I used to just push through it, right? But now I know I feel so much better and like I can actually conquer the day if I just do sauna sessions then or if I just go out for a walk rather than push myself. Okay, now when we move into food, right? Food has the same impact. So during the different phases, our body actually requires different things. So remember those hormones in our pituitary gland and our thyroid, it's all stimulating metabolism, so homeostasis. And in order to do that, we have to have the right nutrient flow. Again, if we're doing the same thing day in and day out, we often aren't providing the right nutrients that our body needs to support the hormonal flow that's happening at that time. So cycle syncing with your food is probably the most important component of this, although it also can be the most overwhelming. That's why I'm going to help you break it down in that downloadable guide. But just to start with, no matter what phase you're in, the most important thing you could do is to have warm lemon water to help awaken your body and your digestive system first thing in the morning. So every single morning before you do anything, just have a little glass of warm lemon water. It doesn't have to be hot, just like lukewarm water, maybe with a little lemon or citrus juice in it to help wake up that digestive system. Talk about in the previous podcast, maybe one of the most important things we could do for our health. Okay, so once you have that, then we can start breaking our food into the different phases. So generally in the follicular phase, again, when testosterone is highest, estrogen and progesterone at our lowest, we need to focus more on our light foods, like fresh and vibrant foods. Avocados are great here, and all these foods really are used to help you stay energized. So think like fresh veggies, salads, lightly steamed veggies, lentils, citrus fruits, vinegar-based dressings, dairy-free yogurt. So we like to see like a lot of light, fresh um, foods in this phase. Again, our body tends to feel energized based on these foods. Then if we move into the ovulatory phase, another phase where we see high energy, we can find that our body likes a lot of raw vegetables, maybe lightly steamed veggies like asparagus and Brussels sprouts. Again, you'll have more energy during this phase, so easy on the carbs. Like you don't need carbs to sustain your energy. Your body has plenty of energy. And in fact, um, it's gonna do better without the carbs. And focus on grains like quinoa and red lentils, maybe sunflower seeds and sesame seeds, figs, coconut, apricot, raspberries, strawberries. And even fresh juice is a great thing. So during the first two phases, we see a lot of fresh foods, a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables, like light foods. Then as we move in the luteal phase, where our body works a little bit more intensely, we start to see more of the comfort foods, more of the dense foods. So our body really, when we're in that luteal phase, is it needs a lot of B vitamins and calcium and magnesium and fiber to do all of those processes of releasing the egg and reabsorbing the egg or fertilizing the egg. 
And so here, our body's going to do best on complex carbs, so like roasted or baked sweet potatoes, um, brown rice, onions, garlic, roasted squash, apples and nut butters, pears, peaches, dates, raisins. I think of this luteal phase more as like the fall phase. So I've kind of broken them up based on... (laughs) season. So I think about the follicular phase as being the summer phase, right? It's fresh, it's vibrant, like there's so much going on. The ovulatory phase is the spring phase where you have like asparagus and um, quinoa and sunflower seeds and raspberries and strawberries. And then the luteal phase is more the fall foods where it's a little bit denser, a little bit of the root vegetables are coming in, uh, apples, those seasonal foods. And then the menstrual phase tends to be more of our winter foods. So focusing more on like the low glycemic, water-rich fruits and vegetables, um, helping to remineralize and restore the blood. So great things here like kidney beans and sea veggies, um, kale, mushrooms, beets, warming and comfort foods, sushi rolls, smoothies with dark berries. All of those things tend to be really, really energizing for the body. So those are the four phases and some different foods you can do. Again, I know that was probably really overwhelming to listen to here on the show, but I hope that my my broken down um, seasonal foods will help. I know it's a little off because we start with the summer foods and we go to the spring foods and the fall foods and the winter foods. Like it's just kind of back and forth, but it's a great way for me to think about it when I am purchasing groceries. Again, all this is gonna be in the show notes. So how do you actually get started cycle syncing, right? Like what are the tips? So I have a few tips that are of most importance to start cycle syncing. One is to know your cycle. So many women, and even myself, I didn't know my cycle for the longest time. Hence why we had um, three kids before we were even planning, right? Because I had no idea what my cycle was. I didn't track those things. I'm not an organized person. Like that stuff didn't matter to me. Obviously when you have children, um, (laughs) it should matter. Um, but to know your cycle is really, really valuable. And I just started understanding the value of this the last few years and I've been tracking it and I really obviously don't track it because we're, we're done having children, but just for the sake of how I feel and get a better understanding of what my body's capable of and what things maybe I should focus on during that time. So there are a lot of period tracker apps out there that you can use to start tracking. You can even put a dot in your planner and just do that for a couple months and kind of figure out, okay, are you consistent? How many days are in between? And then you can start pinpointing maybe when you're ovulating, just, you know, mark it, you know, 10 to 14 days or whatever, and then you're ovulating and then you're in the luteal phase and then you're menstruating. So you can kind of start to see these trends in that the more you do it. However, there's a lot of apps. The one I used was actually created by uh, the author of Woman Code, Alyssa Vitti, and it's called My Flow. I'm gonna add that to the show notes. I love it, it's so great. Um, and it breaks down all the foods for you in that app. So My Flow is a great one. There's other free ones on there that you can use as well, and I'll link up a few of those. So start tracking your cycle, get to know it, and start understanding it. Number two is just to embrace where you're at. Everyone is going to be a little bit messed up here and there, right? All of our hormones are gonna fluctuate different seasons, different life circumstance, maybe different stressors are going to affect how your body handles stress and therefore changes our hormonal flow. So just take it day to day. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just know that um, rather than just being upset or trying to fight against it or being frustrated with it, just embrace where you at. And really use this as a means to help your body learn what's working and what isn't working. So really as a time to start listening to your body. 
Number three is to build on what you've learned. So maybe cycle thinking's a little overwhelming. I would just start by getting to know your cycle. Okay, where are you? How many days is it? Where do you think you are in that cycle? Because you're gonna start to feel those different phases happening. And from there, you can start to see, okay, that exercise that I did during the luteal phase was really hard on my body. Like I didn't feel good, I wasn't motivated, and my muscles are really sore. So you can start to see what's working and what's not working and build on there. Just pick a place to start and essentially start listening to your body. Number four is to manage and stabilize your blood sugar. I can tell you that if our blood sugar is out of whack, if our cortisol is out of whack, so we could say this number five and number four go together, right? Number five is manage your stress levels. They, if those two are out of whack, it's gonna mess up all of your sex hormones, right? Because when cortisol's high, when insulin's high, it really throws off all your pituitary hormones, all these precursors, so our sex hormones aren't firing like they should, and we just accumulate excess body fat, um, which is messing up our menstrual cycle and so many other things. So the best thing that you can do is stabilize your stress and stabilize your blood sugar. And this doesn't happen by chance. I promise you that if we don't take control of it, it will continue to control us. So how do we manage our blood sugar? And then we're going to talk a few ways about managing your stress levels. So managing your blood sugar. One of the worst things you can do is just drink a cup of coffee first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, right? Talk about caffeine and your hormones and the cortisol response that we have. So trying to overcome drinking something like that outside of meals is really, really harmful. Also, don't skip meals. But in line with that, try intermittent fasting. So don't skip meals, but eat all of your meals within an eight to 10 hour window, maybe 10 to 12 hour window, wherever you're starting out. So make sure you have those meals, but inside a certain window. And at the same time, keep your meal spacing consistent. So no stacking, but have breakfast at this time, three or four hours later, have lunch, three or four hours, have dinner, and then you're done. And again, in this phase, one of the best ways to balance blood sugar is just to have well-rounded meals. So not the snacking stuff where you're just having an apple here and carrot sticks here. And even though those are all healthy foods, there's not protein and fat in that, which is gonna spike your insulin levels at a greater, greater rate than if you just added protein and fat. So I'm running through these really, really quickly, and I'm gonna tell you why at the end, because I have tools that can help you do this. But managing and stabilizing your blood sugar, which again, you can find all these notes over in the show notes. Number five is managing stress. I know that there's a lot of life stress that we cannot control. I see that in my own life, right? I can't control my kids are sick or if my husband's running late at work or has to go on a work trip. Like there's all these things that are stressful, but there are things that we can do to help ourselves de-stress. So for me, that's having a morning routine. That's exercising, depending on my cycle, but I always am moving. Um, That's me reading a book at night instead of being on my phone. It's taking hot baths. It's practicing self-care. All of these things can help reduce your stress load. And that's what we're after is to reduce stress load because without getting those things in line, we will never find a normal cycle in our system. So again, I went through those really fast. The reason is, is I have a whole course called the Hormone Reset that can help you get your blood sugar levels back and decrease your stress loads. This isn't something that's going to um, help you cycle sync. Like that, the, the purpose of the course is not to help you learn to cycle sync. I have a free download that's gonna help you do that. The purpose of this is to help you get your cycles back based on reducing your blood sugar levels and your stress levels. So it's gonna help balance those hormones and this quick reset by getting rid of toxins, by getting rid of life stress, helping you focus on nourishing whole foods and really how to do all that. So all these practices I ran through really, really fast, you can find in the Hormone Reset, which again, I have all the information in the show notes at simplewithwellness.com slash 079. 
Again, I love this program. I have so much good feedback from the course, but be your own judge. I think you're gonna love it. And if you're struggling with your cycle and with your cycle being way off, I promise that you are going to love the hormone reset. So you can learn more about that at the show notes. You can also learn more about cycle syncing. Those are my five tips. Start tracking your cycle, embrace where you're at, build on what you've learned, manage and stabilize your blood sugar, and manage and stabilize your stress load. So those are huge, huge things. Once you have that down, you can really start to pick up cycle syncing and it will change your menstrual cycle, I promise. Okay, a few quick questions I wanna hit on because I know I'm gonna get asked these. What about cycle syncing on birth control? Obviously, cycle syncing is not going to hurt anyone, right? It's a, it's a focus on real foods and exercising right. Now, the thing about birth control is it stops you from ovulating. So you are actually not going through any of the phases of menstruation, and you are definitely not menstruating. So is it going to help you in that way? No. But what we do know about birth control is it really is a huge depleter of essential nutrients. And so, again, adding these foods back in is always going to be beneficial. So is it going to help you on birth control? You're not cycling anyway, so no. But if you're coming off birth control, it's so good about getting you back on track. What about menopause? Now, here's the thing about menopause. Menopause, many women are still cycling just on a different rhythm um, until you have been in the absence of a period for over a year. Um, So you have to be without a period for a year technically for them to deem you no longer ovulating. Outside of that, you kind of go back to more of a 24-hour cycle so you can kind of start to figure out what works for you in that time. We'll talk about menopause later on. We had a podcast a few episodes back with Cynthia Thurlow all about menopause and hormone replacement therapy. So if you're in menopause, that's a great episode to listen to. I will tell you that if you cycle sync outside of birth control, that it's going to help prevent the symptoms we all dread when it comes to menopause because it's it's helping your body stay in alignment. So if you're pre-menopausal, I think cycle syncing could help. If you're menopausal, I think cycle syncing can help. If you're post-menopausal, no, not so much. There's other things that you should be doing. So those are a few questions I want to answer. But please, if you have more, leave a comment below in the show notes or just email me at alexa at simplerootswellness.com. Again, that's the show on cycle syncing. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you found it beneficial. I want to know from you, though. What do you think? Are you going to try cycle syncing? Will you adopt some of these practices? Remember, don't forget to go to the show notes to get all of the information on the different phases and how to easily incorporate these different things in your life. Just a little checklist so you can find where you are, figure out what you should be eating, how you should be exercising, and how you should be living your life. Again, all that's at the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 079. I thank you so, so, so much for being here. I'm so excited. I have some big plans for summer coming up. And before summer hits, we have a lot of other interview guests coming on and some more solo shows. So stay tuned for a lot of goodness. Next week on the show, we have someone talking all about body image and her own story with body image named Jenna Kucher. It's such a great story. I think it'll be uplifting. She's been featured all over the web lately. Uh, A story picked her up about being a curvy woman with a really fit husband and what that looks like in her life. So you're gonna wanna stay tuned. Next week is all about that. And in the meantime, don't forget to head to the show notes, rate and review the show, head on over to the show notes, and I will see you next week.